And hello, everyone, and welcome to our program, The Truth Will Set Me Free, Bible Prophecy Edition. I'm Vic Batista, along with my co-host, Nathan Jones, and we want to welcome you to our program today as we're going to be talking about an orderly life. And the question is, what does an orderly Christian life look like? Stay tuned to our program as we discuss this on today's program. But before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones, of the program. Nathan, welcome. And can you open us up with a word of prayer? All right. Good. God bless you all. It's so good to have you back on. The truth will set you free. And uh, let's open it with a prayer. Well, Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for this opportunity to get together again this week to study your word. Uh, Lord, please reveal yourself to us through your word. Uh, show us how we can live our lives that are honorable to you. We pray for everybody tuned in, Lord, for your blessing upon you. We thank you, Jesus, in the almighty name of God. Amen. Amen. Again, you're tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones with Lamb Lion Ministry. Again, as we're talking about an orderly life. So those of you following us on social media, share this program with your friends and family so that they can follow along with us and be blessed. And again, before we continue, I'm going to welcome my co-host, Nathan Jones. Nathan, it's great to have you on. Good to have be on as always, brother. And uh, ooh, getting close to Thanksgiving. You getting excited? Super excited. And you know, I just realized, Nathan, I should say it's great to have you on again because I introduced you and then I asked you to pray and then we started all over again. <laughs> that we do, but it's always a blessing, man. I, we, we did a double take on that one. But yeah, talking about Thanksgiving, I'm very excited about Thanksgiving, Nathan. There's so much to give thanks for. I think you would agree. Not only are we going to enjoy some wonderful food and fellowship with friends, but just thankful for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it, it is. It's getting to be one of those fun times of the year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I've always thought of November as a peaceful time of year, although we were very, very busy here at Lamb and Lion Ministries, as always. But uh, I just love the time to, where we sit back and think about proper living, being thankful, when usually people are thinking too much about Black Friday. Uh, with Christmas coming up, a time to reflect and peaceful. Uh, brother, it's, it's just a nice time of year. I hope everybody's enjoying it. I know the world's very crazy right now, as it always is, definitely, though, better than the last year, wouldn't you say? Oh, absolutely. And I agree, Nathan. I think I think Thanksgiving is peaceful because I believe uh, the stress starts building up towards Christmas with the shopping and the presents. But Thanksgiving is more like just fellowship and eating. So I'm right there with you. <laughs> well, hey, I got all my Christmas shopping for the extended relatives done now. So I feel like there's a weight off my shoulder. Wow, I'm amazed. That is really good, man. Now I feel really bad because I haven't even started. <laughs> Well, with all the delays and uh, the shipping containers floating out in the sea and not coming in, I was like, mm, I better get a bit of a start on that so I don't end up, you know, picking up uh, bath wipes or toilet paper is the only thing left on the shelves. Hey, that's a that's a very good idea. So, hey, for those of you that are tuned into our program, take those tips from Nathan Jones. You don't, you don't only learn Bible prophecy here, but also shopping tips. Oh, man, you're terrible. Yeah, go out and buy uh, toilet paper for Christmas. <laughs> Still working through all the stuff, uh, toilet paper we bought this year. <laughs> oh, so, but Nathan, for someone who's new to our program and they're wondering why do we have so much fun here, can you let them know what we do and also how they can get a hold of our resources? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, Vic and I are evangelists here at Lamb and Lion Ministries. We're a Bible prophecy teaching ministry, and our mission is to proclaim the soon return of Jesus Christ. We're excited about the Lord's soon return, so we're proclaiming it. Through this podcast, The Truth Will Set You Free, through our website at ChristInProphecy.org, 
and our television show, Christ in Prophecy, which is aired on most of the major Christian networks. So uh, check us out, ChristinProphecy.org. We want to share our excitement about Jesus's return with you and help you grow in your relationship with your Savior. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much, Nathan. I really appreciate that again for you guys. Take a hold of those wonderful opportunities, uh, great ministry resources, also conferences, events uh, that have taken place. Nathan, talking about conferences, last week you were at a conference, right? Yeah, uh, well, if you uh, love Bible prophecy conferences, uh, they're all over the country. Uh, I went to a particular one hosted by Standing Stones Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Pastor Dave Bowen, and uh, that was a real blessing to be there with Bill Koenig, especially since Bill's so connected with what's going on in the world events as he was a former White House correspondent. Uh, we had other speakers as well, but uh, yeah, brother, uh, that's it for conferences for me. I'll attend the annual pre-trib conference in the first week of December, which is always a great blessing to get together and learn from the big names in Bible prophecy. Uh, but as for speaking engagements, unless uh, the Lord pops one up, which I sure hope he does, I'd love to preach. Uh, that's it. How about you, man? Are, are you making your way through the Calvary Chapel churches? Actually, yeah, Nathan. I was able to visit a few this past month and last month, and uh, hopefully, like you, being always open for opportunities to be able to go somewhere and bless uh, one of the ministries or fill in for a pastor. So uh, we, you and I are always looking for opportunities to share the good news of Jesus Christ, but uh, nothing yet for these upcoming months, which is an invitation for individuals that might be listening out there, maybe pastors or leaders that, hey, they want to give us an opportunity to come and share at their venue, we'll be more than glad to do so. Right, Nate? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you and I have been on podcasts, other people's podcasts a lot lately. Uh, you have joined us to do a few, record a few prophetic perspectives, which folks can find on our Christ and Prophecy YouTube channel. Uh, check it out. Vic and I have uh, the last three podcast, uh, excuse me, prophetic perspectives have been Vic and I teaching on Israel. So check us out on Christ in Prophecy, our YouTube channel. Mm, awesome. Thank you for that opportunity, Nathan. And of course, Nate, you and I have made our way through various books of the Bible. We actually finished 2 Timothy, and that was a fantastic study. I want to thank you for all the wonderful resources you pulled together for that. And then we jumped on to another really exciting book, and it's the the small book of Titus. And in our last program, we were looking at the instructions that the Apostle Paul gave to Titus. Titus was part of Paul's team, but then he returned back to his hometown, if you will. And uh, that was previously on 2 Timothy chapter 4. We talked a little bit about that. But then we picked it up last in our last program in uh, first sec, uh, excuse me, in Titus chapter 1, as Paul's instruction to Titus were to get things in order when he left them uh, in Crete, uh, because these individuals had a bad reputation uh, for uh, their their lifestyles. And we talked a little bit about how order is so important, but not only order in the church, order in the ministry, but there also needs to be order in the life of a Christian. And that's what we're going to be looking at today, because Nathan, a lot of people don't understand that we are fighting against the flesh and uh the spirit and the flesh are at war. And it seems lately the, 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 the flesh seems to be winning as we look at the world around us. And Nathan, it reminds me of what the Bible says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, where Paul says to the Galatians, Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, 
selfish ambitions, dissensions and heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, and the like, of which I tell you, therefore, just as I have also told you in the past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And Nathan, you and I talked about these type of behaviors in our last programs and the last of the last days. And we see so much of that still today, right, Nathan? Well, it's part of fallen human nature. Where those are the things that fallen human nature does without the Holy Spirit inside you. But it's interesting who the audience is. is that Paul's talking to Christians here at the church in Galatia. And so here he's saying, hey, you're not that world anymore. The Holy Spirit came upon you and you accepted Jesus as your Savior. And he's going to guide you through not behaving in those worldly deeds. Because if you do, you're hurting your relationship with Jesus and you're giving bad testimony for the Lord. Because people look at you and say, well, hey, he's no different than the next pagan down the street. There's nothing special about Christianity. So it's very important that our lives are holy or as much as humanly possible, because sometimes the only Bible that anybody will ever read is your life. Mm, I love that. Very, very excellent point, Nathan. And this is why for those of you that for those of you that are part of this program, you need to take this into consideration. You have to ask yourself the question, what does God uh, require of me? How does God want me to live? Is my life, uh, the way I behave, uh, important? And I believe it is because in Titus chapter one, beginning on verses five through nine, we find Paul instructing Titus in in, in to behave in, in, in such a, uh, a way that will bring, uh, uh, that will not bring reproach to the name of Christ, but that it will bring light into this world. Would you be able to read for us there, Nathan, Titus chapter one, verses five through nine, in case someone doesn't have a Bible so they can follow along with us? Absolutely. All right, well, this is Titus's, uh, excuse me, Paul's message to Titus about the qualifications to be an elder. He says, for this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. If a man is blameless, a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dissipation or insubordination, for a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God, not self-willed and not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable, a lover of what is good, a sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who are contradict. Wow, Nathan, and there's a lot in this passage, but you and I have seen uh, throughout the years so many great teachers and great preachers that have really fallen by the wayside because they have not taken heed to the importance of having an orderly life. And that's a sad thing, right? Oh, it's tragic. I mean, I remember back in the 80s, and you probably remember that too, we were pretty young then, young guys, but uh, there were some major televangelists at that time who were caught in tremendous sin issues, and their whole ministries fell apart. And I, I remember that the tide against the church really started changing then. Uh, of course, it's never any excuse to give up one's faith because of someone else, how they act. That's not the case. But I think a lot of outsiders were looking in and looking at these televangelists falling into especially sexual sin and saying, hey, wait a minute. Again, just as we read back there in Galatians, there's there's no difference between these so-called Christians and everybody else. They're hypocrites. Why should I follow Jesus? It's a terrible testimony. And so having an orderly, uh, holy life is super important because it's what we use as part of our witness to point people to Jesus Christ so they may be saved 
and not spend eternity burning in hell. I mean, that's the big picture there. And Nathan, and I also, I, I, there's also something to be said about these uh, also wonderful leaders who not only teach and preach a wonderful message, not only are they, uh, do they hold true to the doctrine, but they also follow it by their lifestyles, by their conduct, that there's no reproach against them. I'm just reminded of, of course, the uh, the late um, uh, uh, Billy Graham, as well as Tim LaHaye, Pastor Chuck Smith, uh, also uh, uh, Dwight du Pentecost, Wolvert, uh, and there's just so many also that they lived a godly lifestyle and also carried a wonderful message, and there wasn't much blemish in the ministry. Also, Dr. Reagan, and I just think it's fantastic when you can match the wonderful orderly lifestyle with a great preaching testimony. Yeah, and it, I gotta when I read this passage. And he's addressing elders or bishops, in other words, leaders of the church. Uh, it's a it's a definite. You know, you can't be a leader of the church if you're you've got a temper issue or you can't handle your money or your family's a mess. You know, how are you supposed to handle a church if you can't handle your own family or you know you're womanizing? None of these things qualify somebody to be a leader of the church. But and this is a, a big but here. This does not mean that the rest of us Christians who aren't in leadership positions in churches can get away with not doing this, <laughs> you know? I mean, we're here to follow Jesus Christ and live in these different things that Paul gave us here. And of course, Jesus gave us, the Bible gave us, that, that we're supposed to live holy lives as much as humanly possible, anticipating that day when, when we get our glorified bodies and the human nature leaves us and we don't sin anymore. But in the meantime, uh, this is, I think, even though Titus says, hey, this is a definite for elders, I believe this is a definite for all Christians as well. Yes, Nathan, and that is true. And, and of course, one of those examples uh, we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. Uh, likewise, Titus was not an exception, neither should be Timothy. And like you mentioned, neither should we as Christians, we should all be in the same category. Sometimes people say, well, you're a pastor, or you're an evangelist, or you're a leader. Uh, you need to be held to a higher standard than myself because, well, I'm just a deacon or I'm just uh, whatever. But the reality is when we look at scripture, as we will see today, there's individuals in different positions, various positions, and some in no positions where yet we're required to live by the same standards according to the word of God. And that's what we find in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, as Paul is also instructing uh, Timothy as well, right, Nate? Absolutely. Yeah, I, this is the exact same message almost that he gave to Titus. Bear in mind that Paul led an evangelism team, and eventually, as he got older and got uh, put in prison for his faith and was facing execution, he had these last messages for his students, the, the, the men that he was mentoring. So Titus and Timothy, both being leaders of the church, were given similar messages about how to live. Absolutely. So, Nathan, if we can turn to First uh, Timothy chapter three and uh, I'll read verses one through three and maybe if you could tackle verses four through seven. And just in case someone is part of our program and doesn't have a Bible so they can follow along with us. That sounds like a good plan. So you're going to do one through three and I'll cover four through seven, right? Yes, absolutely. So Paul, in instructing Timothy, says in First Timothy chapter three, verse one, this is a faithful saying. If a man desires the position of a bishop, he desires a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, able to teach, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, 
but gentle, not quarrelsome, and not covetousness. And he's one who rules his own house well, having his children in submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Moreover, he must have a good testimony among those who are outside, lest he fall into reproach in the snare of the devil. Wow. And again, there it is, right, Nathan? So much, so many individuals are falling to that reproach and the snare of the devil because, again, they they have made the choices to allow uh, a kink in their armor. The enemy gets in there and their life slowly but surely becomes disorderly instead of orderly. And, and it gives room for the enemy to come in there and just uh, really mess up someone's life. Yeah, I mean, one of the names for the coming Antichrist is the man of lawlessness. In other words, uh, he comes in to rule, but he comes in as an anarchist. He he's, doesn't believe in the law of God. Of course, he'll be a dictator. And what do all lawless men do? They, they become dictators and enforce their own version of the law. But we're talking about the law of God, the, the moral law of God. And so when we have disorder lives, we, we pull away from God's morality what we're really doing is, is kind of picture yourself on a boat and you're heading towards the rocky shoals. And instead of turning, you head right for them and you crash and your boat splinters and you sink and drown. And we do that with our lives. We see again and again these great spiritual leaders who should have the proper accountability around them. Uh, many of them survive. I, I mean, I don't want to say that, oh, yeah, most Christian leaders are falling into sin. No, no, no. It's It's just very high profile ones. We've been seeing them uh, like, you know, through Hillsong and some other places. But we're talking about people here that, that and it's interesting here, it's, it's really what it says, I think, in verse six really makes the point here. Lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. Brother, you and I know, in being in leadership positions in ministry, you have people come up to you all the time and nicest people, so encouraging. But uh, sometimes, you know, you, you end up leaving a conference or you're done preaching and then your head is bigger than the door well. You can't, you can't get out because everybody's just so wonderful. And you think, man, I'm, I'm really at all knowing that it's not you. It's the Holy Spirit speaking through you. But, uh, man, and I think it really, especially some of these guys that have really big ministries, it really starts going to pride seeks, uh, sneaks in. And then the Lord just cuts them off at the feet so that they'll come back and repent and and usually they never get another ministry like that again. They, they ruin their credentials. And, uh, you know, we're ambassadors for Jesus Christ. We live to represent him. We are little Christ, so to speak, in that we are Christ followers. And brother, if we're not living up as best we can to, to follow God's moral law, then what kind of testimony? We are ruining the name of Jesus. We're running it through the mud. Yeah. And, you know, Nathan, you made a good point. I'm just reminded of individuals like Mark Driscoll and others that really, I, I mean, they, they got pretty puffed up. And, and I just think that when people are not teachable anymore, Nathan, and they really think that they're like this God sent thing, that that's when you really have to be careful. Because I noticed verse seven, Nathan, when you were reading First Timothy three and verse seven, I noticed again the mention of the devil. And twice we see it right there talking about um, that uh, you don't fall into the condemnation of the devil. And then in verse seven, it says that you don't fall into the reproach and the snares of the devil. And, and the word snare, Nathan, was the word that sort of caught my attention. It just reminds me of a trap, something that you lay on the ground, you cover with leaves. Uh, you, you, you put a noose in a sense or when an animal or something steps on it. 
you pull them up and you snare them up. And I just feel that that's what the enemy is trying to do to so many believers. Oh, you're absolutely right. Hey, have you ever read C.S. Lewis's The Screw Tape Letters? Some of it, not the whole thing. Okay, I've read it and I went to a play about it. And I tell you, Lewis was a master at writing. I mean, the Lord really used him mightily. But what he did is he he had this one demon mentor who helped a younger demon, although they should all be about the same age. But anyway, uh, so but he's teaching him how to uh, ruin people's testimonies. But first, you know, he teaches them how to keep people away from salvation. Now, once they've lost them to salvation, how do you keep them to be ineffective? And that's the big thing, I think, is, is we're Christians. I'm sure many of you who are tuned in or know Jesus as your savior. It, it's really not about getting rid of your salvation. I believe in eternal security, but it's about making you ineffective as a, an efficient witness for Jesus Christ. And the best way Satan does that is he gives you or he leads you into that disorderly life, that life that pulls away from God's moral law, and you, you start living in a life of rebellion. And that's the case, then your testimony is useless. Your ability to serve people is useless. And that's why I got to scoff at, at those people who who live in, in lifestyles of sin, I think we know what we're talking about here, and yet insist that they can also be Christians. How can you be a witness for Jesus and say you're a Christian when you're living a lifestyle that's firmly against what the Bible teaches? You know, you're not a Christian. I'm sorry. It, it, we know a Christian by their spiritual fruits. And if you're you're out living a lifestyle that the Bible says is wrong, you know, you're out in the bars drinking all the time, you know, uh, you're marching in a gay pride parade. Uh, you know, you're cheating on your wife. That's not the lifestyle we're called to. We we ruin the Lord's name. And, it, you know, the real sad thing is, Vic, is when a, a Christian continually falls into that and never repents. And God says, hey, you're not a good servant anymore. You're, you're, you're useless to me. And you find that some of these people either end up dying or falling into obscurity. Uh, that, that, to me, that's a nightmare. That, that's a frightening concept. Wow, Nathan, that's a that's a very good point. And again, for those of you that just tuned into the program, you're tuned into the Truth Will Set You Free Bible Prophecy Edition. Big Batista, Nathan Jones, as uh, so we're talking about orderly lifestyle, looking at the book of Titus chapter one and the importance of us not practicing certain lifestyle. And Nathan, that is a very good point because there's some there's a difference between uh, um, you know, falling into a temptation, but then repenting. Uh, and there's one that is practicing it as a lifestyle with no remorse for what they're doing. And I believe you're right. If their conscience is not seared, if their conscience doesn't uh, uh, bother them, then I don't believe those individuals were really ever born again. I'm not going to judge them, but based on the fruit and based on their lifestyles, we can conclude that they probably really never knew the Lord. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I get it all the time, especially from people who are trapped in the homosexual lifestyle. Uh, there's this one website called Whosoever, and it's run by a woman who, who's a lesbian who, who goes to a, a gay church and she believes and she says, well, the Bible says whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Well, yeah, if you take one verse out of context, but when you put it in the larger context, how many times does the Bible talk about repentance and turning away from sin and what we just read here in, in first Timothy and in Titus, you know, the, the, it's more than just whosoever. It means whosoever turns away from their sinful lifestyle and turns in the direction of Jesus Christ because isn't that what repentance means? It, it means a, a t hitting the mark. It means turning in 180 degrees away from your sin and turning towards righteousness. That's how you can tell that somebody is, is truly saved when they've lived a reprobate lifestyle and then they encounter Christ 
And all of a sudden, you can't believe who these people are. And many of us lived that way too. We had reprobate lives and then we got saved. And then you just can't believe they're the same people. That's a transformed life. If you're continuing after salvation to live in a, in a sinful lifestyle, then brother, you're not saved and you need to get right with Jesus and, and get saved. And, Nathan, and, and, you know, and that's a very good point. And I really believe that, you know, Paul and instructing Titus, that's why he was saying, Titus, you need to bring certain things in order in the church. But then you yourself need to make sure that you have these qualities as a leader, because, again, people uh, are going to not only be hearing what we're saying, they're going to be looking at what we're doing uh, just as such. And we do not want to be the cause to cause anyone to stumble. As a matter of fact, in Acts chapter 20, verses 27 through 28, Paul, again, instructing the church, was giving them similar instructions in the importance of an orderly uh, lifestyle. Would you take us there, Nathan, to uh, Acts chapter 20 and read for us verses 27 and 28? For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I love that verse, Nathan, and, and the responsibility there, especially for pastors, uh, leaders, those that uh, are responsible for churches to shepherd the church of God. It's, it's not our church. Uh, it, it's, it's God's people. We're just given an opportunity and a privilege to be able to shepherd them. You and I right now, we have an opportunity to uh, shepherd and bless and guide people spiritually uh, over the airwaves, over the Internet, and to instruct them so that they will know in the way that they should walk. And Nathan, all those admonitions that you shared, I'm sure you were speaking to someone out there. And if that's you and you find yourself bound by sin, if you find yourself struggling, but even right now, if your conscience bothers you, this is an opportunity for you to turn, to repent, and to turn to the Lord while there is still time. God loves you and God wants to use your life in a mighty way. But it starts with a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You must allow the Lord to come in and live inside of you. Nathan, I know we only have about a minute left to the program, but will you be able to share with that person on the other side who maybe wants to right now make that decision for Christ, how they can start their relationship from wherever they are? Well, Acts 20, 28 really, I think, hits the nail on the head there. It says, of which God he purchased with his own blood. In other words, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead in your rebellion against God. So God sent his own son, Jesus Christ, the perfect God and man, to die in your place. He purchased your salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, with his own blood. I mean, it's just amazing. And then he beat death by resurrecting from the dead. And so his victory over death can be your victory over death as well. And if you believe in Jesus as your as your Savior, and you want him to be the Lord of your life, then in faith, reach out and pray something like, Dear Jesus, please, I know I'm a sinner. Please forgive me and be my Savior, Lord. Come and be the Lord of my life. Jesus will do just that. Your price of your sins has been paid. You're not going to hell. You instead inherit eternal life with him in heaven. Ooh, that is a wonderful gift. Thank you so much, Nathan. And for you that maybe just pray that prayer for the first time and open your heart to the Lord, Nathan and I, we want to rejoice with you because the Bible says that every sinner that repents is a celebration for them in heaven. So congratulations. Feel free to post there that you accepted the Lord or call us or text us 305-992-9537. 
we'd love to pray for you and rejoice with you and send you a Bible and a Bible study guide. And if you find a church in your area that teaches the word of God, be part of the church. Let the pastor know you accepted the Lord and that you want to be baptized. So congratulations on that wonderful, wonderful decision. Wow, Nathan, our time is pretty much over, but what an what a challenge you've given to us and what a great passage this is. And I'm so excited that we got to encourage those listeners on the other side. Amen, brother. Great topic. Uh, people don't think about how this applies to the end times, but living a, a good and holy life in the time that's short and given to us, it's so important, isn't it? Absolutely. Absolutely, Nathan. So, Nathan, it's always a, a pleasure to have you on. And Nathan, I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Try not to eat too much, and I'll try to do the same. Oh, yeah. We, oh, no, I got to live by example. No gluttony. <laughs> Yeah, well, and folks, for those of you that are out there, we Nathan, Nathan Jones and Vic Batista, always having fun here, but I hope you guys have a wonderful Thanksgiving. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. Have a wonderful week. Have a great week, Nathan. You too.